All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, super producer Brandon Newman. Uh, no longer Isaiah in the desert, and I will want to get to that in a second here. And, of course, as he's been all week, my father's still in Ireland gallivanting around somewhere, drinking, carrying on, getting ready for the Notre Dame game over there. So Jason Fitz from Parts Unknown hanging out with us again today. Jason, how are we feeling? Uh, I'm still a little curious, like, because I think compared to you and your dad, I'm kind of the leprechaun size. So why did I not get the invite to go to Dublin? Just, you know, I've worn the outfit, gone around, drank the Guinness. Like, I'd have poured shots in your dad's mouth for him so he didn't have to put that kind of work into it. Look at it. Could have gotten it like all the, uh, just the invite. Mike, the invite would have meant meant something. No, I could have gone out and and been his drink leprechaun. You're offering to be my dad's shot girl. That's essentially what you're offering to be. Essentially, yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. Like, but if it gets me a trip to Dublin, don't you think that's what, like, that's entrepreneurial right there. I'm trying to get a little, little side hustle here so I can get a trip to Dublin. I, you know what? It's interesting thinking about that because, uh, Fitz, I, you don't probably have this experience from sports. I don't know if they ever did this for you guys in the band or not, but there's a lot of times when you come back over to the sideline as a player and someone who works on the equipment staff or who's in charge of the water on the sideline would come over and you see it a lot on television during games where trainers will squirt the water into the players mouths for them so they don't actually have to handle the bottle i was never super comfortable with that it's like pouring milk into a bowl of cereal where only i know how much i want or what the right ratio is only i really know how much water i want before you start drowning me in a game but it is weird how we see that control over to people pouring shots all the time, whether it's in a hibachi restaurant or just out at a bar normally there. I'd imagine you, especially as someone that lived in Nashville for a long time, got used to other people pouring shots into your mouth pretty often. Uh, yeah, I mean, life on the road, that just happens. Uh, fun fact, when I was a long time ago, I was playing for Phil Vassar at one point. Phil, not uh, not much of a drinker, right? So we were doing this, this uh, festival in Fort Loramie, Ohio. And uh, people kept passing shots up on stage. And so he would just walk over and pour it in my mouth while I was playing because he wasn't going to drink them. Well, direct it was like film for direct TV. They ended up running that as the preview for the concert on TV. So I get a call from my mom and she's like, do you have a problem? Do we need to send you to rehab? All because Phil just kept putting the shots down the hatch for me. So, you know, I appreciate I, I appreciate the effort, though. Like, you know, it takes a little bit of skill to be able to sing vocals, play the fiddle and take a shot all at once. I'm proud of it. 
dynamic uh, Jason Fitz, ladies and gentlemen, here. Uh, we had a great show for you guys today. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Uh, while my dad is not here for the whole show, he and I got a chance to talk to Hall of Famer Joe Montana, who's also over in Dublin because all of my friends and all of their parents got to go over here for this damn game, except for me. So we'll check in with Joe Montana and see what's going on over there. We'll talk to him about the Trey Lance situation. Dynasties in Kansas City. Fitz, I hope it doesn't reek of how bitter I am. We'll get to our Big 12 three questions as well as we preview that conference. But it's really starting to settle in for me as college football starts this weekend. I know people do the week one, week zero debate all the time. But for me especially, as a Notre Dame fan, it starts this weekend. They're going to kick off against Navy at 2.30 Eastern tomorrow, and I'm going to begin the stress that is my fall being a Notre Dame fan. And I am really starting to, for the first time in a long time, feel the FOMO of being one of the few not over there getting ready to drink and carry on outside that stadium. I'm pissed. I mean, you're you're marginally famous, you're marginally good looking, and you're marginally rich. You should have been able to get yourself over there, Mike. Like this is just this is one of those things. I think that should like the fact that I see your dad posting pictures with Brady Quinn and Dan Patrick and all these people out on social media. I'm wondering why you weren't there, buddy. Like I I feel like you should have had a hand in that. Like there should have been a special section on a private jet somewhere for Mike Golick Jr. to make his way over. It's not too late, though. Like, Dublin's a, you know, it's a bit of a hike. But if you're really committed to Notre Dame and you care about the season, I think when we finish the show, you'll find a way to get over there and just fly for the rest of the day. Take the dogs with you, Mike. Take the dogs with you. I think you will. Part of this is me also realizing I am not fun to be around on Notre Dame game days. <laughs> like, Fitz, I get asked a lot about, Notre Dame and what's coming up this season, year two for Marcus Freeman, Sam Hartman coming over as a transfer player, what the expectations are, and having to answer these rationally like I do, because I look at the season objectively fits, and I go, all right, in year two for Notre Dame, what is this about? In my mind, it has been resetting the floor. Towards the end of Brian Kelly's tenure at Notre Dame, you didn't lose the games you weren't supposed to lose. You won double-digit games for the last five straight seasons before last year, Largely on the backs of that. We saw last season beat Clemson. Close game versus Ohio State to start the season, to start the Freeman era. And then close-ish game against USC to end the season as Caleb Williams is supernovaing in Heisman form. So I I'm not as worried about the big game thing that everyone makes a big deal with Notre Dame and understandably in the postseason as I am just making sure we don't lose to like Duke or Pitt or any of the number of trap games on Notre Dame's schedule that are road ACC games this year because I'm going to be in a press box getting ready to call a college football game somewhere else and have to act like an adult while that's going on somehow. My, my beloved Raiders have many times given me the opportunity to sit in the press box in Vegas at Allegiant and watch games. And uh, there was a throw a couple of years ago that I didn't really appreciate. And I you know, may have let a few F-bombs slip out. And I had to look out and look behind to some of our, our you know, co-workers that work for NFL Network. And I later DM'd one of them and I was like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. Got a DM back, though. And he was like, you know what? That was the most fun I've had in the press box in years. So, Mike, I'm telling you, maybe people enjoy you letting loose. But I feel you all the way to your core because people always ask, you know, I'm going to come over while you're watching the Raiders game. I'm like, to hell you are. Like, nobody needs to be around me during that experience. But I think as an unbiased bystander just sitting on the sidelines here, I think Notre Dame is set up this year to be very good. Last year, quarterback play was a problem, right? And as much as we can look at Notre Dame across the board and say, hey, what were they trying to accomplish offensively? When you are so limited at that position, it started to impact the play calling. It started to impact the way they were defended. I mean, it, you start to think about what they've got. They didn't just get a quarterback. I thought they got a very good quarterback in the transfer portal. Somebody that comes in, a lot of people may not have watched him, but if you watched last year, ball placement, the ability to throw any football anywhere, the ability to get into these huge high-scoring matchups and still produce point after point after point, I think Notre Dame's got a bit of a gem at the quarterback position that I like a lot this year. So I actually feel really good, which might make you nervous. Yes, I think that's it. I think any true fan 
gets nervous when people start to all look and talk about their team. Like That's been the most difficult thing about the Freeman era is going back to last summer when you had the uniform reveal video that we were a part of for the Vegas game, and people are saying that wouldn't traditionally be saying nice things about Notre Dame or talking glowingly about the program. It's a hard adjust for me because usually I like being left well enough alone. Notre Dame starting in the teens and the preseason AP poll, a welcome sight for me. I don't need anyone talking about Notre Dame being overrated going into the season. If Notre Dame with their schedule this year goes out and wins 11 games and is walking into the final weekend of college football not playing in a conference championship game with their schedule they're likely going to be in the playoff conversation now depending how that shakes out with the rest of college football will determine whether they get in but an 11-1 Notre Dame team with Ohio State Clemson and USC all on the schedule all preseason top 10 teams that team is in the playoff discussion if not in the playoff in general so I don't worry about the path there, which is always the conversation with them. It really just is year two. Can you develop enough consistency again to make sure that the rest of those games, NC State early in the season that we talked about, Duke, Pitt, on and on down the list. I think they got Louisville on the schedule too. Do you not step in one of those potholes? That's the kind of thing I don't need to be slamming my fist on a table in a press, con- a press box in Raleigh, North Carolina again for. You made a great point though. And This is probably something that I shouldn't say so loudly this early in the season because you and I both work a lot around college football and that's a big part of how we earn our our livings. But let's just get this out in the open. If Notre Dame can take care of business, they're going to be just fine. I think that's the theme that every as we get into the Big 12 today, everybody needs to remember. It doesn't really matter what anybody in the Associated Press thinks of your team today. It doesn't matter what talking heads think of your team today. It doesn't matter what the playoff committee thinks of your team week one of the actual committee. As much as we've loved people watching those ranking shows, like at some point you got to remember to what your your point was there. What do, what do athletes always tell me? Do your job. It's such an incredible part of it. It's like just do the job that's being asked of you. Notre Dame is one of many teams, and I would argue that most of the prominent teams this year have a very simple edict in front of them. Go out, win the games you're supposed to win. You're going to get in the college football playoff. Like it, it is that simple. We make college football wildly complicated, but every single year, it takes care of itself. Somebody somewhere is going to dump a game they shouldn't. Somebody somewhere is not going to be paying attention. And all of a sudden, you're going to just see the cream rise for the teams that took care. If Georgia goes out and does what Georgia could do, Georgia's going to be in the playoff. If Alabama does that, if LSU, you could just go up and down all of these teams. Just win the games in front of you. You're going to be in the playoffs no matter what anybody says or thinks about your favorite team today. It is interesting looking out because I mentioned the way Notre Dame's schedule stacks up. When you look and think about the playoff field, there's kind of two camps, right? There's Georgia and Michigan, whose schedules are largely seen as very easy for the vast majority of the season outside of a couple of games. For Ohio State, it's kind of this, uh, not say Ohio State, for Michigan, it's that until the end of the year when you get the Ohio States of the world, the Penn States of the world, and you're going to have your about month-long test there. Then you've got, like I said, Notre Dame with a bunch of difficult games in the schedule. Ohio State with a bunch of difficult games spread throughout the schedule. USC, who has the last five or six weeks of their season as a meat grinder with Notre Dame and Utah and Oregon and Washington, the Pac-12, once again at risk of cannibalizing itself. And so you're right in that it seems simple, but it also sets up, we talk about having those big-time moments available to you that impress the playoff committee down the stretch of the season. As we'll talk about some today, those big-time moments available to potential Heisman Trophy candidates to go out there and have that big air quotes Heisman moment that everybody always talks about. And so how that lines up, we can already kind of see the roadmap of the season, and we are just getting started this weekend. And Fitz, I don't believe anyone who says you got to be you know, sick to watch the games this weekend. We are disgusting, vile people that are getting ready to take in every last drop of week zero football, even outside of Notre Dame Navy coming up this weekend. That I can damn sure guarantee you. Hey dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, That's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? 
Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. And Fitz, speaking of the Heisman Trophy path laid out before a number of people, I don't know if you saw this. Everyone's been so excited about the EA Sports uh, NCAA football video game coming back next summer. And... Caleb Williams apparently is not one of those guys right now. I saw he spoke to Yahoo the other day, and Ross Dellinger wrote a piece about how Caleb Williams is unsure if he's going to lend his name, image, and likeness to the upcoming college football game. There have been reports that EA's compensation of players would be a flat rate of $500 without any royalties. And Williams says, this is his quote, The thing about life is you have to adjust to anything. Businesses and brands and things like that have to adjust to the new brand of the college. I'd love to have the game back, but it's the new day and age, and everybody knows what the new day and age in college is. If you like, if, It's like if you go to a school and you're a straight-A student, and there's another kid who's a strong suit, isn't school, and he gets Bs or B-minuses. How fair would it be if you get the same grade as him? That never works in school, and it doesn't make sense. That's how I look at that game and the situation with the $500. Fitz, do you think he's got any sort of point here when it comes to how guys are going to be compensated for this? He's got a point on what one of the most difficult things college football is about to face is, which is some sort of concept around unionization, right? Like, you obviously had a, a time in the NFL, and we all know that Madden is huge for the NFL. Well, Madden doesn't pay on a uh, on a scale, depending on how famous you are, to be a Madden. It's collectively bargained with the union, and here's your Madden rate. I don't know what it is, but it's not it's not huge. It's, this is one of those 10, moments. It's about where, ten grand. Okay, so ten grand. Uh, there's a moment here where if you are college football players, I love the concept of hey, I'm far more famous. I want more for my name, image, likeness to be in this video game. Unfortunately. I don't know how you justify that through, across the board. And realistically, EA Sports now is going to deal with the wild, wild west. It is NIL. Like, this becomes the problem. As much as nobody wants to discuss the unionization of college football players, I understand that. This becomes complicated because they don't have that. I will tell you this, though, Mike. If they made a version of Guitar Hero or Rock Band, they don't even make that game anymore. The reason they don't make that game anymore is because licensing the music costs so much to do. But I can tell you for darn sure if there had ever been a country music version of that and they wanted to use my name, image, likeness in it, 500 bucks? Hell no. Like there, there's got to be some like this is going to be a wildly popular video game because the players are included in it. So you can't tell me that $500 is fair for somebody that's likely to be on the cover if he were to still be in college football at that time. I, I agree to an extent, Fitz, and this is an argument we get a lot when, you know, it recently just came up, I think Jim Ursay was the one that talked about this relative to the Jonathan Taylor holdout, which is this idea that the NFL will move on without all of us and that football doesn't stop with us. That's true to a point, but when you're withholding a player's actual services, that's got a real-life effect on your football team more often than not. If you remove the name or image or likeness of a player like Caleb Williams from this game, yeah, all you're just getting is a guy in that spot with a different name and a fudged number, but who's got the same stats, same ability, all these things that aren't going to affect a player's gameplay by and large that I don't really think is going to be the bump in the road that he thinks here. But your ultimate point, and I agree, is my biggest beef with this is not the idea of group licensing, which, like you said, is very common, happens in the NFL. That's how the agreement gets signed for Madden. It's the fact that these guys don't really have a say in that or any of the things that go on around in college sports because they are not unionized. And so I can understand the beef in general. And EA has said they have actually made no legitimate offer as far as how this is going to be compensated. The $500 is a reporter is, is reporting. It's, it's a rumor, but it's not been confirmed by EA at this point. But 
the larger beef and the larger point remains, we still have college players that are having things happen to them without any input from them. It's an interesting point you make with the video game because I'm such a Madden head, uh, you know, and was such a college uh, EA college football head that I'll buy it no matter what. But I think about what makes me buy Madden all the time, right? Like, because nothing changes in the versions of Madden, really. I mean, they make little tweaks, but there's nothing there. But for me, like as a Raiders fan, new quarterback this year, of course I'm going to buy it because it puts a, the new roster, gives me the thing that's closest. I'm not sure what the future of the video game looks like. Is it simply going to be college football fanatics that want to go out like you did in the old days and recruit your team, make it look however you want? Is that going to be the way people play, or will they play for pay for the players particularly? I don't know the answer to that. EA better know the answer to that, though, right? Like Because at some point, to your point, $10,000 for 32 teams, 53 players on an active roster, there are far less players in the NFL than there are in college football. They can't turn around and pay every kid that's going to be in this video game 10 grand and make any money. So I understand where they're coming from. I don't know in this situation, and this is again where I'm going to always put the blame in the NCAA. Because the NCAA never took the time to be ahead of all of it, come up with processes, systems, and come up with something that everybody could agree on, we now have this weird world in the NIL where everybody's fighting for their own two cents here and their own two cents there. I don't know what rectifies that, but I know that it's all the NCAA's fault for not getting ahead of it five, six, seven. When you and I did our first college football show six years ago, we were talking about the NCAA needs to get ahead of it. It's their fault that we're in this situation right now. And frankly, I'm never going to fault a kid for turning around and knowing his worth. It's just this is going to be a weird situation of negotiation. It, it is. And Caleb Williams being the one to speak out on this is noteworthy because he is one of the faces of college football right now, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and the odds-on um, favorite to win it again this year. I saw Dominique Foxworth bring this up on the Dominique Foxworth show the other day. Awesome podcast. You should definitely check it out. This notion that Caleb Williams, who also came out and told ESPN, it's going to be an in-the-moment decision about will he declare for the 2024 NFL draft, which is the right thing to say. We hear prospects say this all the time leading into the season, not wanting to be a distraction. But Dominique brought up the idea that has been floated for a while of, hey, would a player who looks at who owns the number one overall pick when it gets to that point ever look at that idea and say, yeah, it's not really a place I'm interested in going and kind of, you know, Eli Manning style, try and dictate their future one way or another. And for Caleb, and now this is, might be the question for prospects going forward, we're not 100% sure about the true dollar amounts being floated around for NIL from these collectives for college players. But would it be enough for a Caleb Williams to say, yeah, I'd rather come back here for another year of professional development where I'm still making money than go potentially to a team that I think is going to destroy my future because that franchise is so bad right now. I don't know if it would get to that point, but Caleb Williams does seem like he'd at least be the personality that might be open to some thought process like that. Yeah, there are enough teams that will have the NIL money to make that. I think it is a valid conversation, and Caleb's in a win-win. Either he declares for the draft and doesn't matter with the video game, so he used his platform to help, or he gets more money out of them ultimately either way. So it's a win-win for him. Yeah, uh, Caleb Williams becoming one of the more interesting players in college football in addition to being one of the best players in college football as we roll into this 2023 season. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
All right, Fitz, we're talking a lot of college football today, so let's get to our three big questions for the Big 12 heading into the 2023 season. We've been doing this for all the Power 5 conferences, and we're wrapping up with the Big 12 appropriately after we talked to All-American guard Cooper Beebe yesterday about his team and his conference. And so I want to start with this one, uh, Fitz. We know the brands that dominate this conference right now are walking out on not-so-great terms in Texas and Oklahoma. We even heard Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big 12 at a Texas Tech event, look at Joey McGuire, their head coach, and say, I'm going to be in Austin. You guys better handle business there like you handled it here last (laughs) year. So no love lost with the conference on their way out. But Fitz, who needs a successful season more in 2023, Oklahoma or Texas? I I think it's Oklahoma. And frankly, it's because of part of the way it looked and and what's coming through the pipeline. Like Venables is somebody that I respect so much as a coach. But if things go off the rails this year, they they weren't good enough at the quarterback position last year. I know there were a lot of factors that go into that. And every team says, well, year two in the system, going to be a big improvement. It needs to be a big improvement for Oklahoma. If you're Texas, your great sales pitch for Sark is like, hey, don't worry. Not only do we have Quinn, but we also have Manning. We're going to be just fine. We're going to be able to compete. It's going to be fine. If the wheels fall off at all for Oklahoma, I think then you have total change coming for the for the program. You've got coaches out. You've got a, a wild then at that point transfer situation, and they're walking into the the SEC. What the sixth, seventh best team of things fall off the rails? That's not what Oklahoma's paying for. So I, I really think Oklahoma is under more stress simply because Texas can rely on the pipeline of names that they have. See, I don't know if that works the same in the portal era, though, because if you're Texas and things go haywire, there's the door that everyone has now. It's not like in the past where it was difficult for your stars to get out of there and you had to think about continuity. Continuity is what you make of it at this point. We've seen that in this era. So I think the pressure is still always going to be more so on Texas, man. I think Venables is going to get a bit of a leash there, and I think they're going to be good this year. I don't know if they we can expect them to be Texas good this year. Texas should be a playoff team this year, and I think I'm picking them to be as much based on their schedule and the talent that they bring back Texas is back, Mike? Mike's going to say Texas is back? Uh, You know what? I am never going to play into that meme, but yeah, I think Texas might be (laughs) back this year. So I I think... But I think because of that, you know, Sark in year three and the big game thing that crept up, two and five and one score games last year, that's kind of been the story of his tenure so far. So I think that's the thing that worries me the most and the noise around that program. It's just different. We see with the booster base, with the alumni base, there is so much more noise around this Texas program. And there's going to be a lot of big games on the national stage where everyone is waiting for them to trip up this year. So I always think it's going to be Texas. And I think they're going to kind of get the treatment everyone wanted to give the Houston Astros rose a couple years ago during the pandemic at least it seems so far um Fitzy let's talk about the other side of this because Texas and Oklahoma right now according to DraftKings Sportsbook the two favorites to make it to the Big 12 championship game this year but beyond that we've got a couple of other teams I want to focus specifically on one state are we sleeping on the state of Kansas, Fitz? We have got the Kansas Jayhawks who are investing meaningfully in football now under Lance Leipold after last season made their first appearance on college game day. And then we've got the Kansas State Wildcats who actually won the Big 12 last year, beat TCU, heading back to the podium. And so, Fitz, are we sleeping on the state of Kansas inside the Big 12? I think yes to a certain extent but kansas state's schedule is pretty brutal uh and and look you know i'm a big believer in lance leipold and what kansas is is doing i think lance leipold is a smart offensive coach that knows how to get a dual threat quarterback out in a lot of situations it works for him it worked last year at kansas now they're investing substantial amounts of money as you referenced but also they're on the heels of momentum right like think about the difference in their own stadium and in the environment and sort of what's being created around there also the expectations for kansas even if you look at most pre season expectations it's sort of fair to midland to say the uh, to say it kindly i think kansas can be a much better team than that i don't see them as being the eighth or ninth best team in the conference by the end of this so i think we are sleeping a little bit on kansas because i trust their coaches to be very good but kansas state you mentioned the fact that you know we forget that they won the conference last year it's just when you watched it last year it, w- it felt like they won it, but it also felt like we watched good teams lose it, if that makes any sense, right? Like, I'm not trying to downplay what they accomplished last year, but I don't think anybody walks in and says, oh, my God, the sle- the, the, the sexy pick here is Kansas State. Like, they, they're very good. It's a tough schedule. I think, you know, I could see them making it to the Big 12 championship, though. I think they could sneak their way into the two seed. But, it, I mean, if I had to bet your house 
you know, in a private jet uh, trip to Dublin on Kansas State or not Kansas State, I'd bet against Kansas State. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if we're doing Kansas State of the field, that's certainly not going to be the bet for anybody. But I do think they don't get the respect they're owed. Will Howard, who's coming back at quarterback, started a lot of the back half of last season, including that Big 12 championship game after the injury to Adrian Martinez. And that's been a team we always talk about identity-wise. Michigan is where they are because they built themselves to beat that conference. Kansas State has operated much the same way when you look at their defensive structure that's become super sexy throughout that league. When you look at the way they try and grind it out on offense, they have built themselves to win Big 12 football games in the modern era as this has become a defensive conference. Yeah, they lose Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, they lose Felix Andidike Izama on the other side. But you bring back that core on the offensive line we talked about and Will, they're going to be a factor in this, if not outright included in the Big 12 championship game yet again this season, I firmly believe. But let's get to the last one, Fitz. We got newcomers on the way in the Big 12 this year. BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, um, the Golden Knights. Fitz, what do you think the realistic expectation for the newcomers is this year? I think UCF is going to be pretty good. Uh, and realistically, this is going to be interesting because if you're the Big 12, you want these new additions to come in and immediately be competitive, right? Like, obviously, Cincinnati, like, terrible timing for Cincinnati to lose their head coach. Fickle yeah. leaving uh, is, is a huge drawback to Cincinnati from a recruiting standpoint, from a sales pitch standpoint, from who they are, all of these things. Uh, but I look at Cincinnati, and I've seen a lot of the projection, projections having them at the bottom of this conference. Like, that is the worst-case scenario. What you don't need if you're the Big 12 right now and you're trying to convince everybody – Pay no attention. We're fine. We're going to be a-okay without these particular members. What you don't need is a Missouri situation where somebody comes into the SEC and then they're just irrelevant for how long, right? Like you need some sort of a situation where they can come in and immediately make impact. I, I hope that Cincinnati can be better. I hope that BYU can be better. But I think UCF of all of those newcomers is probably the great hope for the rest of the conference as somebody that can come in and, and, and maybe try to make noise year one. Yeah, you're right. I think what people were banking on, because remember when Luke Fickle was one of the head coaches uh, that was supposed to be coming over to this con uh, conference, there were a lot of people that thought Cincinnati could walk in right away and essentially become part of the class of the new Big 12. And under Luke Fickle, that was definitely a possibility, the way that they were recruiting, what production they were getting out of quarterback. And now it's a lot more tepid. Houston and Dana Holgerson were much the same until last year, taking a big step back. We'll see if Alan Bowman, who was just named the starter there, can all of a sudden be someone that helps get that up and running in a way because along the lines of scrimmage, those were two schools that had been able to operate, recruit, and develop in a way that put them on par with some of the big boys. So Big 12, once again, going to be one of the fascinating conferences in college football, but it all gets going this weekend. And while I have moaned and complained about not being over in Dublin, my father and I got to catch up with another guy who is over making the trip there, former Notre Dame great national champion and NFL Hall of Famer Joe Montana stopped by to chop it up with us about what it's been like the experience over in Dublin getting ready to uh, kick off the 2023 season take a listen all right this is a fun one very excited to welcome in Super Bowl champion national champion and NFL Hall of Famer Joe Montana here on behalf of the folks at Guinness over in Dublin so Joe you make the trip over to Dublin with the folks at Guinness to celebrate the start of college football with Notre Dame. What's this atmosphere been like? It's a combination of a lot of really great things all coming together. Oh, yeah, for sure. We have the whole family here, which has been great. And actually, um, our, um, our youngest daughter, Elizabeth, and her husband had their new baby uh, baptized uh, two days ago here. So it's been, oh. been a lot of fun with all the family. Now it's starting to get kind of crazy because uh, all the fans are starting to show up. They, they've been slowly through, but as of today, yesterday, well, yesterday evening, we tried to walk around through the, uh, the little walking streets they have here, and it was packed. So, but all because of this little thing right here. <laughs> well, listen, talk about that for a minute, because the I've used four words since I've been here a few days a lot. I'll have another Guinness. I've been that, that's kind of been my line. So, so what's going what's going on with them? Uh, you know, we the we got some new things coming. Out. I've been with Guinness for a number of years now, and um, they're, they're the big promotion coming out now is Guinness Zero. They don't know alcohol, 
And we and they brought in some other guy named Joe. Damn it, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Burrow. Yeah. And so we they just released some of the content the other day, and there'll be more coming along. But uh, it's been a been a great relationship here with Kenneth for me, and and now with Joe coming on, and you know, great people to work for, great tradition, sort of like Notre Dame, right? Big history, a lot of tradition here, and um, a great product. Right. Yes, it and, is. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And, been, and, and the boys have been in charge of finding all the old older pubs and famous ones they want to see. So we've been trying to get around doing that. And now it's things are getting crazy. And we're here at the uh, uh, at the uh, storehouse. I can never remember storehouse. I keep wanting to call it a brewery. <laughs> it's, it's only 14 levels. So no big deal. Wow. I know, and, and in fact, they're the the kids and everybody are here taking, going around taking a tour. I'm sure the boys are all having a few pints along the way, but uh, uh, it's been great. It's been a great trip so far. So for you and your family, you get to enjoy all those parts of the trips with the fine folks at Guinness, and that's a great time. The other part of the tradition you talked about in Notre Dame is over there trying to win a football game. Marcus Freeman heading into year two with the program. Joe, what's your expectation for Coach Freeman in year two as he tries to add to the legacy of this program? Well, I love what he's been able to do. Um, I think one of the things that I, that everyone I talk to about, I haven't been around him. I, you, he doesn't have my new phone number yet, so I used to <laughs> because I, I haven't gotten it out to everyone. I literally just changed it before I left for Europe about two weeks ago. And so normally I, I talk, talk to him a, a bunch of times and um, I'm sure he'll yell at me when I get down on the field for not giving him my phone number before the game. But um, uh, I just think he brings a different atmosphere to the team and, and a different um, uh, understanding and a different level of professionalism to say that I don't think was there before. Um, and that person lasted a long time. You know, he won a bunch of games, but I, I think he's going to do great things there. I just, I just really like his demeanor. I like what he's about. I like what I see in that, what he's put on the field last year and was able to maintain where they were before. And the only, the only problem I see is, man, I looked at that schedule. They what man, they're stacked up there for a while. So it'll be a great test, and um, but it's going to be a tough one for him this season. At this, got some good teams coming up down the line. Sure do. So, Joe, take this, every this one. This one's no one. The, the, this is a scary one. To me, yeah. that this team is, you know, they they'll sneak. They don't sneak up on you. They just like badger you to death, and they don't quit. And it's a tough one for the play in the first time. You know, your first game out to shoot in the season. I think so. Um, I'm interested to see how it goes. So, Joe, all I know is all three of us in our times at Notre Dame played Navy, and only one of us on this call lost to Navy, and that would be my son. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mike, I had to bring that up. Uh, uh, yeah, that. yeah. But, Joe, take everybody down on the field a little bit where they really can't go. Notre Dame gets a new quarterback, Sam Hartman, who comes over from Wake Forest, has thrown for, you know, I think 110 touchdowns. Everybody's excited because he can throw the ball, and we feel we'll have a passing offense to go with the running offense. But tell us how difficult it can be to have a new guy come into a system, even though he's been around for a while, learn a whole new system, learn the language of the system, and then try and get on the same page with receivers and just what kind of a process that is. I think the, the biggest process, I don't, I don't think learning the system as much um, will, would be a problem. It's, it's getting that time with the receivers and, and because that's the, that's the thing it takes the most for a quarterback is you, you're looking at body language. You're looking at making sure they understand exactly what you're thinking. And it takes a while. Even, even when I went to Kansas City, I knew that offense. It just had different terminology. But Paul Hackett was there, who was with us with the 49ers and through um, our second Super Bowl. And so my transition was easy, but it was getting receivers on the same page that, that you're on. And just like simple little things, I, I called this one play and I told these guys, I go, okay, look, here's the deal. 
if you hear me say 20 read, I am not calling the ball to throw to the halfback. I'm throwing it because they're playing the defense and I'm throwing the post. So as soon as you hear that, if you're running the post, you're the guy running the post, just get your head up because it's coming. <laughs> Even if I get a blitz, I'm hitting my back foot and I'm throwing it. And sure enough, I call it. He doesn't think about it. And he drops it. He, he didn't think it was coming. And he looks up and it's there and he drops it in the end zone. Oh. And he was so upset. And and then just said, no, you just don't. don't you can't get upset because it's going to come again. We're going to do it again. I promise you. And it, those are the little things that have them understand what the offense is about and have the quarterback and the receiver. So I knew the offense more than they did. And vice versa. Now the, it happens with them. The receivers know it probably better than um, the quarterback now. And so he, he just has to spend a lot of time with them. And I think that's the toughest part of it. And, you know, they run the ball well, so it should take some of the pressure off of there. Joe, you mentioned the amount of time it takes and the experience and how valuable that is. Not only just playing a lot in the league, playing with those specific guys, it, it kind of makes me think of what's going on with your old team in San Francisco and Trey Lance right now. What have you made of the way that the team sort of laid out the plan for a young guy who hadn't gotten to play a lot of football even before he got to San Francisco, who now is sitting in that third string quarterback spot? Well, I you know, Trey, very athletic, you know, young, strong arm. I, I think the hardest part for a player is finding a system that he fits. Now, there are offenses in the in the NFL that he would fit into a lot better than the, than the 49er offense, I think. I think he's just in a bad position there. Because when you when you run it, when you come from a team that runs pretty much the read option and you're a runner you're you don't always learn how to read defenses and coming to the nfl and trying to understand anticipation where the hole is going to be is not the place to learn is the nfl you can't you have to already know it but when you see like the thing that drives me crazy when you see college quarterbacks when they do this they turn and look to the side. Yeah, yeah. They're telling them everything. So they're not so that person has a difficult time if you don't, if you haven't come from somewhere else that, that's taught you that. It's really difficult to learn that offense and be successful at that level. And like I said, there there's other teams that have run the ball and do a lot more of the read option stuff, which I think he that's what he came from. And he's just, I think he's just in a tough position. Um, because I think they tried uh, to give him the opportunity to, to to do it, and it just he wasn't able, still able to do it. Will he be able to do it someday? Maybe, but I don't. I they've got a, uh, a Super Bowl quality team, and they know they need someone they can trust in that second position just in case. Last one for me, Joe. You were part of a dynasty in San Francisco, and that word's got to get thrown around, you know, a, a bit. And I imagine you're protective of the word dynasty. You know, not too many of them out there. The team you finished with, the Chiefs, and what Patrick Holmes has done, lost the Super Bowl, but have won a couple of Super Bowls. Are they in the dynasty conversation yet, or do they have a little more work to do? I think they're pretty close to it. I mean, look at what they've been able to do in, in a short amount of time. And they, they continue to win. And while we, you know, we won, ended up winning four while I was there and another one right after I left. And um, they're on that process, right? I mean, it, it took Tom a while to get those, the ones that he won in also over time. So I, I think they're on their, on their path to be in that. I mean, they, and you can see it's been a successful team, uh, both offensively and defensively. They keep losing players, but they keep, plugging other ones in and they all seem to work. So as long as they don't lose that one guy behind the center, I think they're all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 15, 15 seems like a pretty good uh, game plan going into each week to get you through it. Uh, uh, as you were for a very, very long time, Joe, we can't thank you enough for the time today. I'm sure you and dad will both enjoy plenty of Guinness over there uh, for me. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the trip. Uh, you bet. We'll see you guys. And uh, we'll see you at the game. All right, Fitz, let's finish off the week, get people to the 
rounding out of the NFL preseason schedule, actual real-life college football games, whatever the hell else you want to do here. Just don't go to Dublin. Don't be one of those people that goes over to Dublin and has all that fun and does God knows what over there. Um, but before we get to... Somebody hit me up. Third, I'm going to Dublin. Go ahead. God, I will <laughs> destroy you. Three quick stories to finish off your day. Let me ease my pain with great sunglasses, high-quality polarized sunglasses that start at just $28 from our friends at Knockaround. They are the go-to for great shades that aren't going to break the bank for you there. They'll have you looking good on game day, get you ready for the home stretch of Major League Baseball season. They got nine Major League Baseball teams on the docket already. Teams like the Astros, the Mariners, the Cardinals, the Cubs, all good stuff. All can help you get fitted up. They've also got the men's and women's national team for soccer, red, white, and blue sunglasses. Now, listen, you always want to have a pair of those around, even if it's not during the World Cup or Olympic cycle. You can head over there. Don't be the one staring over, squinting at the stun, trying to get sand out of your overpriced sunglasses. Head to knockaround.com. Start getting great-looking polarized shades at just $28 and use code GOLIC at checkout. Get yourself free shipping on that order. Jason, let's get to this, that, and the third. And let's start with this. Giannis stirring the pot again. For the first time since before Giannis signed his max extension in Milwaukee that ended up helping getting them a championship, Giannis spoke with the New York Times about his plans for the future and indicated that next summer when he is eligible to sign another extension with the team, he's not going to. He's going to wait, in his words, to see if everybody is on the same page and if everybody's going for a championship. Basically saying, Fitz, he doesn't want to be around here for a rebuild or retooling. He is trying to keep this team firmly with the foot uh, with the pedal down in the gas. Should Milwaukee fans be worried at all about Giannis speaking this way heading into the 2023 season, Fitzy? I don't think so because he's transparent and he's always been transparent. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love Milwaukee. It just means that he wants to continue to be in their championship window. Also, I would add, I, I know somebody pretty well that's around that organization. And even when they made their coaching hire, one of the rumors that was out there was like, when they never talked to Giannis. Immediately. Yeah, of course they did. They understood even going into this process of change that they were going to need to make sure Giannis was involved in every step. I don't think Giannis told the New York Times anything that the Bucs don't already know. They haven't already been working on. They're not already aware of in the way they do business. So now all the Bucs have to do to tie it back to college football is do their jobs. Continue to show them that they're committed to winning. Giannis will be there and everything will be fine. I do think you bringing up the coaching thing is relevant, though. That was referenced in the article, too, as one of the things he kind of wants to wait and see. Bud had been there for a while. He had won a championship with Bud, even through all of the misgivings the fan base had about his coaching style and what had netted them before that run. So uh, I think this is consistent, though. To your point, you said Giannis is transparent. I say he's consistent because this is exactly the tone and tenor we got before he signed that last extension. We see some players flirt with the idea of leaving even more seriously, all in the name of trying to make sure they keep their organizations motivated in the right way because Giannis understands what his legacy is going to be defined by. He's got the MVPs. He's got a championship already, but if he goes the rest of his career and he said, I want to be one of those guys that plays 20 years. I want to be like Dirk and Kobe and play with one team, but I can't win one championship in that run and have people do anything other than slander me on first take. So I think this is not cause for alarm yet, but it's a good reminder that Giannis, for being the nice guy and for being someone whose journey we saw trying milkshakes, ordering 50-piece nuggets, all those different things, he's very much serious about making sure the organization stays on track in a way that he deems uh, satisfactory. So that is that. This is about to be that. Uh, Fitz, let's get to that. Michigan <laughs> uh, announced yesterday, man, words are hard sometimes. Uh, they already had the announcement that Jim Harbaugh would miss the first three games through a self-imposed suspension by the university in the wake of an NCAA investigation that is still ongoing after Jim Harbaugh had hamburgers with some recruits and then didn't tell the NCAA about it and they got all upset. Uh, what they've turned this into is a pretty interesting opportunity, actually, Fitz. They put out an insane graphic, which in the world of college football is saying a lot because we live in the graphic era, that announced Thursday that there will be four assistants that will handle game day coaching duties during his three-game suspension to start the season. Defensive coordinator Jesse Minter will serve as the game day coach against East Carolina on September 2nd. Special teams coordinator Jay Harbaugh, Jim's son, and running backs coach Mike Hart will split duties against UNLV on September 9th. 
each coaching a half. And then offensive coordinator Sharon Moore is going to handle the role coaching Bowling Green against Bowling Green on September 16th. So Fitz, we actually saw some of this with the Titans in the NFL giving a head coaching opportunity in a preseason game to an assistant. This actually is a pretty cool move during a suspension that most of us think is silly and stupid anyway. Yeah, and it comes back to jokingly, I said the other day, you know, I'd love to see a world where when a team has a cupcake on the schedule, they do this more often because it gets people great opportunities to go out and show who they can be, not just to the program and the players, but to other programs across the country, right? Like this is a win for everyone. This is making chicken salad out of the situation. Although, Mike, my, my heart's a little hurt. Like, you need one coach for all the games except for UNLV, where basically at halftime you're going to be like, you get to coach and you get to coach. Who wants to call a play over here? Like, what do we do? Is this like the Make-A-Wish game? All of a sudden, everybody can just come in and head coach a few drives against UNLV. Good Lord. I got a UNLV football helmet 10 feet from me, and this is the sort of disrespect I have to take. They did kind of catch a stray in that. You're, you're definitely – because I'm sure for opposing coaches, part of it is like – Oh word, this is how it's going to be when most of them know somebody has to coach that game. And I'm sure plenty of coaches look around because Fitz, every head coach deals with their assistants differently when it comes to what they allow them to do inside the building as far as job prep for eventually becoming head coach. Whether that's how often they allow assistants to do media, how often they involve assistants in the high-level planning stuff around the programs, letting them in on the process so they can get valuable experience that they're going to need when they start interviewing for head coaching jobs. So they're a little more familiar with it this is as hands-on a program as you're going to see as far as giving each of these coaches a chance to run the meetings uh, during that week because Jim Harbaugh can still coach during the week but to run the meetings in the lead up to game day have the plan ready to go actually administer and communicate through a game day operation all things that are going to be extremely valuable if and when any of these coaches go on to interview or get head coaching jobs themselves so Thing I never thought I'd say, kudos to Michigan for actually handling this in a way that I hope other <laughs> programs follow in the future. Um, Jason, let's get to the third. So we talked about this on this show. While back at, I believe, a New York Mets game, you had a man that got caught on camera in the crowd innovating. That man poked a hole in a hot dog, jammed it into a beer, used it as a straw, and the rest was history. I think because of that, I actually drank rosé out of a banana on this very show. And we weren't the only ones that noticed. Uh, listen, it actually tasted delicious. Rosé and a banana. Beautiful pairing. Highly recommend my Two compliments to the chef. Two things I hate. Go ahead, go ahead. God, we don't have enough time to get into your issues. Uh, <laughs> Oscar Mayer decided to put it on wax and really uh, more on silicone fits. They're releasing a hot dog straw. Now, it is not going to be a straw actually made of Oscar Mayer wiener, but rather an artificial straw that looks like a hot dog that you can jam into a drink here. Fitz, I'm a little disappointed they're not going the whole nine and just starting to sell prepackaged hot dogs with holes in them that I could use for something, especially like a Bloody Mary where it would pair perfectly. Yeah, no, the gross part about this isn't the hot dog straw. It's the fact that it's not actually a hot dog straw. Like, this is absolutely fraudulent behavior at this point. Like, I want a hot dog with a hole in it that I can stick in whatever beverage I want and drink it, all right? that This is very simple. You give me something that looks like a straw or looks like a hot dog, just happens to be a straw. That's absolutely pointless. I can't eat it. I can't chew on it. I'm not going to pay extra for it. Like, give me one way to go to one stand at the ballpark, get everything I need in one cup. I'm all in for this. Like, it makes it easier. It's more compact. I, I want all of this in my life. Oscar Mayer, you have failed us. You need to get out there and put your wiener in the drink. Oh, come on, yeah, man. That really? Was, that wasn't that's, even accidental. <laughs> that's how you want to end our Friday here? Put your wiener in the I drink? I got to go catch a flight to Dublin, so I got to make sure. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to make some calls to a few airports to make sure that doesn't happen. Probably going to have to call the FCC after this right now, after what Fitz said here. Against all odds, still, go follow him at Jason Fitz on Twitter. Find out where he's working next, if he's going to be working next after comments like this. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review our show as well. Leave us the five-star rating. Check us out on DraftKings YouTube. Get ready. We got Gojo and Golik starting next week here. Revamp fun back on Monday. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank.